What a beautiful time to be in God's presence. Can I echo what Heather has said? And just amazing. Um, and actually everything that she's done is, um, really leads into so well into um, what I want to share this morning. Um, please, no sympathy. It's a torn calf. Uh, if you want to give sympathy to every, anyone, give it to Heather, who's got to look after me <laughs> and needs a lot of patience in doing so. Um, but it's wonderful to be here and uh, keep receiving what God is doing in our midst. Um, we're looking at the story of Emmaus in Luke 4, uh, 24, so I'm going to carry on reading verses 28, 32. Can I just uh, say a massive thank you to Lawrence as well, bless him. He came up to St. Lawrence to play in my place up at the church, and he's doing visuals as well. So I think he deserves a big round of applause. Lawrence, you're amazing. <laughs> thank you. But we're looking at... Um, Verses 28 to 32. I think they'll be up in the screen. Then they drew near to the village where they were going. And Jesus indicated that he would gone further. But they constrained him. This is the two men walking on Emmaus. Saying, abide with us. For it is towards evening and the day is far spent. And he went in to stay with them. Now it came to pass, as he sat at the table with them, that he took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished from their sight. And they said to one another, Did not our heart burn within us while we talked with us, while he talked with us on the road, and while he opened the scriptures to us? So this post-Easter story on the road of Emmaus is, is full of treasures. It's just the most amazing passage. And we've broken it down into three parts. So looking last week, we had an amazing talk from David. If you've not heard it, listen to it about the, the, the way to Emmaus, walking to Emmaus. Today it's abiding in Emmaus. And then uh, next week it's from Emmaus back into Jerusalem. And I want us this morning to focus particularly on one verse, and that's verse 31. And everything will kind of tie and lead into this. Then their eyes were opened and they knew him. Their eyes were opened and they knew him. What does it mean for us? to be known by someone else. Well, Heather and I have been together 38 years. Um, that initial glance across the church, uh, then friendship that grew at university, and now we're coming up to, well, in the summer, 34 years of marriage. And I guess the question is, do I know her more by the things she does than the person she is. Do I know her more when she's in the kitchen cooking or when we're sitting in the lounge together? Do I know her more when, we're, when she's driving me in the car or when we're walking on the beach? <laughs> Do I know her more when we're in church or when we're in the supermarket? And actually the question, the answer to this is I know her more 
when I draw closer to her. And she knows me more and better when she does the same. Verse 31, the eyes were opened and they knew him. They knew Jesus. And I want to challenge a misconception that I think still exists inside of the church and certainly outside of the church. That God is more likely to be known to us when we do certain acts and rituals. And there's this presumed hierarchy of activities that bring us closer to him. So top of the list is being in church, worshipping together, singing songs, taking communion, breaking bread. If in other traditions it's like lighting candles or bowing to an altar. And then a bit lower down the list, it's when we're in the home praying or in the car, praying in our car. And then a little bit lower down the list, it's just going about everyday life as a believer. And please hear me, I I value church enormously. Being together in corporate worship is so important. I value enormously taking communion, the breaking of bread, whether it's in the home or together, remembering what Jesus has done for us on the cross. But knowing God is not dependent upon the condition of our activities. Knowing God is dependent upon the condition of our heart. It's not so much about the things we do, the rituals we perform. It's the relationship we invest in. It's not so much about even the words we speak and the prayers that we pray. It's about that hunger in our hearts to abide in his presence before we do or say anything. The Sabbath was made for man, not the other way around. And so what we see here is a dynamic which explains why on the road to Emmaus, Jesus was a stranger to Cleopas and his friend. But in their home, he's known to them as their Lord and Saviour. And I think the dynamic The key to the dynamic lies in verse 21. But they constrained him saying, abide with us for it's towards evening and the day is far spent. And he went in to stay with them. It's those words, they constrained him saying, abide with us. And Jesus came in to stay with them. You know, constraining Jesus is actually a paradoxical statement. On one hand, it is impossible to constrain Jesus. He is the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. All authority in heaven and earth belongs to him. It comes from him. He's created everything. And when we saw him on earth, look at his life in the Gospels on earth. When the crowds tried to throw him over a cliff in Luke 4, he passed by in their midst. When the crowds in John's account of the feeding of 5,000 try to force him to become king, he departs by himself. He only did what he saw the Father doing, John 5. And in the power of the Holy Spirit, every step he took, even every step he took to the cross, was in perfect accordance with the Father's will, in accordance with his timing and in fulfillment of his word. We cannot constrain Jesus. And yet, on the other hand, by his grace, he wonderfully allows himself 
to be constrained. And this word constrained, parabiazomai, it means to force, crowd oneself in, press in, compel, and constrain. There's, there's a sense of desperation. I don't know whether you know those moments where you, you're desperate for something to happen. You're, you're so hungry and desperate for things to change, to, for breakthroughs in, in your lives. You're desperate. This is what this word implies. A desperation. A desperation to bring about something. A compelling here for Jesus to stay with us. Meno, it means to abide, to stay. It's like saying to Jesus, please don't walk on. Please don't leave us. Please come and stay. Jumping back to verse 15. When Jesus himself, it says, drew near. The word drawing near is the same word that Jesus uses when he says, repent for the kingdom of heaven or kingdom of God is at hand, a geezer. It literally means it's there for the taking. See, what Jesus was announcing right from the beginning is that the kingdom of heaven is there for us to take hold of. In the same way, Jesus drawing near to these two disciples on the road to Emmaus, what he's announcing to them and to us and to the world is that from now on, the risen Lord Jesus is literally there for us to take hold of. By dying on the cross and rising again, he opened the way for us to take hold of him. Whatever is going on in our lives, wherever we are, whether we're grieving and whether we're sad, whether we're feeling lost or whether we're sure in the way that we're going, whether we're happy or not, rejoicing or we need comfort, he's allowed himself to be constrained by us, whatever is going on in our lives. But there's something fundamental that we need to have. And it's not something that we can buy. And neither is it something that we're entitled to. Otherwise, our eyes are restrained. We miss out from seeing him, which is what happened to the religious leaders of the day. And that's something we need to have, is a deep hunger. Is a deep hunger for his presence. That compelling desire that says to Jesus, please, will you come and stay? See, on the road, the eyes of Cleopas and his friends were kept from seeing him. And I love what David said last week, that faith comes through hearing the word of God, not seeing. And yet, as they were listening to Jesus, something was stirring in their hearts. As he spoke, something was igniting from within. And that burning sensation in their hearts, as he unveiled the scriptures to them, burst into flames at the table when Jesus took the bread and he broke it. And I'll come back to that point in a moment. But you see, the key to their open eyes was their burning hearts, hearing the word of God. The key to knowing Jesus in their midst 
was them crowding in on him, pressing in, compelling him, Jesus, will you stay? And you see, when this happens, when we do this, Jesus always comes to stay. Psalm 24, this is Jacob, the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face. Lift up your heads, O you gates, and be lifted up, you everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. The King of glory shall come in. This is his promise to us, and he's faithful to his promises. He always finds us when we seek him. He always comes near when we constrain him. He always walks into our home when we ask him in. But we have to be that generation that says, Lord, come. Come and abide with us. And when we do that, he stays. If we want to know Jesus better, we have to hunger for his presence. That compelling desire in the heart to know him. Not just one day a week. Not just when things are going well. But in and through everything we do and face. That compelling hunger and desire to say, Jesus, please, will you come and stay? Come and be with me. And he comes because he's faithful. Let me come back to the point that Jesus was known to them in the breaking of the bread. You know, there are times when it is easier to feel the presence of God than at other times. And actually what we call Holy Communion or Eucharist, the breaking of bread in remembrance to all that Jesus has done for us is one of those special moments. Every time as we do that, his presence is there with us and we feel close to him. There are other times as well, for those of us who enjoyed last night at the gathering, just the beautiful presence of God. And if you weren't able to come, can I suggest whenever the next one is, you turn up as groups of people from different churches met together in the simplicity of a barn. And actually, that's where it all began, isn't it? Kind of in a barn when Jesus was born. You know, to worship him. Not to ask for anything other than, this is my worship, and to present it to him. Those moments he comes, and it was so special last night. And there are other things as well. You know, in the autumn term, we'll be doing Alpha courses. And Alpha courses are times when God's presence comes and just meets with those who are hungry to know more. But you know, while all of these things are great, and the faithfulness of his presence when he comes in these times, the key is not so much the events we attend. The key is, if you like, the attendance we give to our heart. And to our eyes. In other words, we can know Jesus and see him wherever we are and whatever we are doing. We can know him intimately and see him face to face in our homes, in our offices, in the schools, in the hospitals, in the supermarkets, on the streets, wherever we are. 
as we walk and talk with him and invite him to stay. See, Jesus should have been known to these two disciples on the road. And of course, it's understandable why he's not. There was fear, there was disappointment, there was despair at everything that they had seen and heard the previous days. But he should have been known to them. And he would have been known to them if they really looked him in the eyes. And they really looked at this person that they were talking to. And realized that if they looked face to face, they would have spoken to him as a friend. Just as Moses did all those years ago in Exodus 33. I've had a bit of time this week putting my feet up. Forced rest. And to be honest, Tuesday morning, um, I was feeling a little bit frustrated and impatient and in pain. And I was on my study floor with my foot up and I decided to do what we preach and really press in to the presence of God. Spend a bit of time soaking and just getting my eyes onto him. And this doesn't often happen. But the father took me into a vision. And it was a vision of this account. And I want to share this uh, with you. Uh, but I want to put the little caveat. Um, the Holy Spirit was present in the room. I know the father was speaking. And there were particular words that he shared. But as for the detail, maybe that's my imagination Maybe that's something that he gave to me. Maybe it is actually what happened. But I know what the father said. And what I saw was this, this route. The two men walking eyes down. Jesus comes alongside them with a prayer shawl over his head. And he starts speaking. And they're engaged in conversation but they're not looking at him. And they're walking along on the road and they're listening and their hearts are burning. But they're not looking at Jesus who's talking. And then they arrive in Emmaus, this uh, village seven miles away. And uh, Jesus is going on. And, and I can see him almost going on. And I just see one of them just grab him by the arm and just say, no, please, come and stay with us. Come and stay with us. And, and he turns, but they're not really looking at his face. They're, they're honored by the presence of this person who's just shared this most incredible understanding of Scripture. And revealed truths that they've kind of barely heard. And they just wanted, please, come and stay with us. And he, and he stays with them. And then they kind of rush into the door and kind of welcome him in. Again, not really looking at him. And they rush and get some food and bread on the table, light the candles. And they're sat down and they invite Jesus to sit. And then what I saw in a moment was Jesus taking the pressure off his head as he took the bread. And he breaks the bread. And for the first time, these disciples look into his eyes. They see that fire. They see that sparkle. They see that light. And they know it's Jesus. And then he vanishes. And in my vision, it stopped there. And I just heard the Father say, look into the eyes of Jesus.
look into his eyes. So this is Jesus who we worship. He should have been known. And he should be known to us. Whether we're breaking bread at communion or whether we're in our homes struggling. See, he's made it possible because he's drawn near to us and he continues to do so. He's made it possible because he's announced he's there for the taking and he wants us to take hold of him. He's made it possible because the King of kings and the Lord of lords in whom all power and authority belongs to him allows us to constrain him so that we can know him better. And he wants us to do that. And he's made it possible because at the heart of it, we can look into his eyes and see him face to face and talk to him as a, a friend talks to a friend. And all we have to do open our eyes to see and open our hearts to have that hunger to restrain him. Please, Jesus, will you come and stay with me? So I think the message that God wants for us today is just so simple. Constrain Jesus every day. And have you ever wondered why only one of the disciples was named? Cleopas? What about the other one? Well, as I've looked through Scripture and understand it over the years, for me, my understanding is that by the grace and mystery of God, this unnamed person, God allows us to put our name in place. Cleopas and Heather, Cleopas and Tom, Cleopas and Adam. He allows us to be that person. The world might not know our name, but he does. We're known by name. Jesus says this to us. Revelation 3. Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you open my, if you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. Those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. Revelation 3, look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. This is Jesus speaking to us. He's even made the constraining easy for us. He's there at the door. He stands at the door knocking. And we just have to open the door, hear his voice and open it. 
So those times when we might be in a meeting at work and we've got a difficult conversation uh, to have with someone. Jesus, will you come and stay with me in that moment? When we're in the home and there's, there's tension and all the rest, Jesus, will you come and stay with me at the home? Wherever we are, the invitation is there for us to constrain Jesus. And he is the one who's conquered death. He is the one who forgives our sins and rose to life that we might have life in him. He is victorious and invites us to come and sit with him. And he, there he is, right there with us. He's just waiting for each one of us to say, please, please, come and stay. And when we do, he comes. Let's stand together. Well, you stand. I'm going to stay seated. <laughs> if I can invite the band back. Can we do the holy bit again? Just just take a moment. Allow the Holy Spirit to give you that picture of Jesus right there with you. You know, I had a sense um, earlier that we love to meet with Jesus here in this place because he's here in this place. But I had a sense that for some of us, maybe it's more than some of us, the thought of inviting Jesus into our home grates a bit because there are times... What goes on in our home, we feel, might not honor him in his presence. Whether it's the things we say, do, or watch, or whatever. And as I was reflecting on that, I, I kind of just, I was drawn to Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus was a wealthy guy. And he acquired his wealth through fraud and all kinds of things. He would have cheated on people. You know, his, his home was an atmosphere of sin and sinfulness. And Jesus looking up to Zacchaeus when he's up in the trees, the, the words with Zacchaeus, I must come to your home today. And you see, what that tells me is Jesus is not bothered by what goes on behind closed doors. He just wants to be welcomed in behind those closed doors so that he can bring help and change and transformation just as he did for Zacchaeus. And so when he's standing at the door knocking and when you're hearing his voice and those times, actually, Jesus, I'm not sure whether I should welcome you in. He wants to be welcomed in because it's in welcoming him in that we can see him face to face. And when we see him face to face, Yes, he deals with the things of our lives and the sin and all of that, but that's got to be dealt with. And he's done it already on the cross. He's paid the price already for all of that stuff. So what he wants to do is come in and bring restoration, bring healing, bring life and freedom, bring deliverance, bring hope, 
Break off those despair moments and disappointment moments and the things that hold us back. Come into those times when there's fear and anxiety and just lift it off. And he does that when we welcome him in. And so I just want to encourage each one of us, constrain Jesus right now in your heart. Just say to him, Jesus, please, please, will you come into my heart, my life, more than you've ever done before. Jesus, please, will you come into my home? I welcome you in. Jesus, will you please come into every area of my life, into my home, my relationships, my finances, my work, the challenges, the hopes, the despairs. Will you come into those areas? I want to eat with you and talk to you and hear your voice and know you and know you better. Just let him in. Let him in. Let him in. Let him in. And I bless you right now. I bless you right now to let him in. Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you come and flood into this place with your presence? Would you come as we invite you in? Don't hold back. Don't hold back. Allow the Holy Spirit to show you if there is an area in your life where you have held back from him. It might even be a time of the day where you just hold back. Just let him in. Let him come and minister right now in Jesus' name. Constrain Jesus. Say, please, please come and stay. And just speak it out if it helps. Just say, Jesus, please, will you please come and stay in this area of my life? I need you. Will you please come and eat bread with me? I need to see you face to face, to gaze into your eyes, to look into your eyes in Jesus' name.